There are some things in life that we are told that we are to remember. If you think about it, there are certain things in life that people tell us you ought to remember these things. Think about some of those things. People say, and you hear this sometimes, people say, remember where you came from. You ever heard anybody say, you need to remember where you came from. So I get a little bit older, sometimes it's hard to remember where I'm going to, and sometimes it's hard to remember where I came from. Sometimes we tell our kids we're going to drop them off somewhere and we let them out and we say, remember your manners. Remember your manners. Uh, if you want to live a long night, life, you need to remember your anniversary. If you want to have friends, and there's a lot of different formulas for this, but if you want to have friends, and I'm talking about close friends, I was always told, remember to brush your teeth. Remember to brush your teeth. Uh, once a year we're told, uh, remember to set our clocks back in the fall. Remember to set them forward in the spring. I think that's how it works, but we're told to do that once a year. Uh, if you're a Texan and you grew up in Texas history, you know we're told to remember the Alamo. And we're told over and over again there are certain things in life for us to remember. Well, this morning on this Sunday, on this Lord's Day, as followers of Jesus Christ, today and then next week and then headed into Easter week, uh, we are going to remember the dividing line of human history. We are going to remember really the vertex and the apex and the climax of God's plan for our redemption. We are going to remember and we're going to reflect on the event where our redemption is secured, where our salvation is purchased, and where our hope is forever Established, And that is the event of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at the next few weeks. For, for two weeks, we're going to look at the death of Jesus. And then Easter Sunday morning, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I can remember when I was in seminary in one of the classes there, I remember some wise, aspiring theologian asked the question, what is more important the death of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus. And it opened up this big, deep discussion. And these guys were talking about, well, when his death happened, these things happened. And when his resurrection took place, these are the things that come through the resurrection. And this big old debate uh, discussion goes on about what's more important, the death of Christ or the resurrection of Christ. Well, I can remember sitting there and my degree was in agriculture and I remember sitting there and thinking all that I can add to this discussion is praise God for both. Praise God for both of those things. Today we're going to look at, uh, our message is entitled, Remember the Cross. Remember the Cross. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at one verse, verse 24, a very deep verse, really a very profound verse, a verse we could spend a, a several weeks on at least. But today, remember the cross, 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, verse 24. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. First Peter chapter two, this one verse, verse 24. And it says this. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Now listen to that again. It says again, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds 
you were healed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you and I praise you, my, my Savior, my King, Jesus. We come today and I'm thankful for the opportunity to come as, as the church, your people, and to worship you together. And I pray that our hearts of love and thankfulness be made known to you. We love you, dear Lord. We come now and I pray as we begin to study your word, I pray right now that it would be a supernatural event done in your power, done in the truth of your word. I pray that it would impact our hearts. I pray that it wouldn't be just this hour that we endure and pass through, but it would be an encounter with the living God through his word. Speak to us, dear Lord. We come now and we just praise you. We worship you. I, I come and as I see you, I want others to know you. And I pray if there's any in this hour, in this room that do not know Jesus, that in this hour they might put their faith in, in Jesus. Once again, we submit this to you. You're our Lord and our master. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. For context today, remember, if you will, in the Apostle Peter's first letter, remember that he is writing to suffering Christians. He is addressing in this letter suffering Christians, really persecuted Christians. If you remember, these folks put their faith in Jesus as the Messiah and for that, they are under great persecution. Many of these folks had been disowned by their families. Some of them had been rejected by their friends. Some of them had been severely beaten, even whipped. Some of these new believers had even been killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. These that received this letter, this specific group, we find out have been chased from their homeland. If you read the first verse of the first chapter, it says that they were aliens, that they were strangers in a strange land. Because of their faith in Christ, because of the intense persecution, they've been pushed out of their home country. Now think about that for just a second. These are folks suffering, not for a crime that they had done, not for some evil thing that they had done, but for putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And that's who Peter is addressing here in this letter. These are suffering Christians, persecuted Christians. Then in the second chapter, we find a broader discussion on the example of Christ and how we look to him for our example in how to live. And really we look to him for our example in how to endure especially in the context of their suffering. They are looking to Jesus for their example and how that they'll endure this suffering. And there in the midst of that context, we then find this verse 24. Now, let me say this this morning. Let me make this very clear. And I truly believe it. And I believe it's, where, it's why this verse is where it is at. I believe it's why it fits this context. Let me say this. I believe this. All other perspectives change when you have the proper perspective of the cross. Now hear that again. I think that's a big deal. All other perspectives change. Now I don't care what your perspective is and what it's dealing with. All other perspectives change when you have a proper perspective of the cross. How you see yourself changes when you have a correct view of the cross. How you see God changes when you correctly see the cross. You can't see God the same when you correctly see the cross. 
how you see your salvation, how you see the gospel of Jesus Christ drastically changes when you correctly see the cross. In this context, how you suffer, how you're able to endure suffering changes when you correctly see the cross. And so as we begin today, I just wanna tell you up front, my prayer is that we today would see from God's own word, we would see from the revelation of his word, the cross of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer. As we've gathered, as we study this verse, that we would see correctly the cross of Jesus Christ that we might be forever changed. So here in verse 24, we're gonna look at this verse very slowly. We're gonna break it down and move through it. A really a deep verse, a profound verse in helping us to see and to understand the cross of Calvary. And so let's look at verse 24. Again, we're gonna break it down. It starts off and it says this. And he himself, and he himself. Now already there's a huge sermon I could preach right here in these first three words. And he himself. Now pay attention, watch this this morning. It could say, now look at the verse, it could say, and he bore our sins. And he bore our sins. It could say that, and it would be correct in saying that. But that's not what it says. There's a reason for that. It says, and he himself. Friends, get this. See this today. In Genesis, all the way back in the book of Genesis, it says that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. Understand, our hope for our salvation is that the seed of this woman would be our salvation. Listen to me, all the way back to the book of Genesis, it's already talking about Jesus. Remember the account of Abraham and Isaac. and They're on their way to that altar that they're gonna make there, and as they're on the way, Isaac asked his dad, and he says, Dad, where is the lamb? You remember the story, Dad? Where is the lamb? I, I see that we have the wood here for the, for the sacrifice. I see that we have the fire, but Dad, where is the lamb? If you remember, Abraham says in Genesis chapter two, he says, God will provide for himself the lamb for the offering my son. He says the lamb is gonna be from him and as strange as it is, it's also gonna be for him. Now understand, all the way back there, it's already talking about Jesus. King David in the Psalms, over and over, in several places, he says, the Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my salvation. In other places, he says, the Lord is my light and our salvation. What he is saying here is the Lord is gonna be our salvation not the law, not a religious system. The Lord is our salvation. He's looking to God for his salvation. Understand, it is talking about Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 64, one of my favorite chapters, in Isaiah chapter 64, the prophet starts off that first verse and he says, oh, that God would rend the heavens and that he would come down. In verse four, it says, listen to this. The God who acts in behalf of the one who waits on him. Isaiah is saying, God, our only hope is that you would come down, that you yourself would come down, that you would save us, that you would act as our salvation. Listen to me, it's talking about Jesus. 
Friends, see this today, understand this today. Our hope is not in religion. Our hope is not in the law. Our hope is not in ourselves and somehow the deeds that we're gonna do. Our hope is not in the things of this world. Be sure today, our hope and our only hope is that our God in his great grace and in his great love would act in the person of Jesus Christ. And then the verse says, and he himself, he comes, he saves, he is our Lord, he is our savior. Friends, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus and he himself it's talking about Jesus first three words we ought to have an invitation right there how awesome and he bore no and he himself God rends the heaven he comes down it's talking about Jesus I gotta move on next word it says and he himself Jesus bore one word bore the Greek word for bore here means to carry. It means to take on. You bear something. You carry something. You take on something. Now, in the Old Testament sense, these Jewish folks, they would have recognized that in the biblical sense, it meant to carry the sacrifice, that it carried, that it bore the sins to the altar. That sacrifice bore the sins, he carried the sins to the altar. And it says, and he himself bore. Means Jesus carried, Jesus took on, Jesus bears. Next line. And he himself bore our sins, our sins. Now I wanna slow down here for just a second. I want you to see this very clearly. Jesus, he himself, Jesus, bore. He took on our sins. He took up the weight. He, he put on the weight of our sins and he carries, he bore, he bears our sin. My sins, your sins, all of them, the, the vileness of them, the filth of them, they are bore by Jesus. They are carried by Jesus. He puts on your sins. They're taken on by Jesus. Now the weight of that corruption, the weight of that sin, I believe it's talking about there in, in Romans 8, 22, the weight, the weight of that sin, the Bible says, the whole earth groans and suffers under the weight of that corruption, under the weight of that sin. And the weight of that sin is put on Jesus. He picks up and he takes on and he bears our sin. It says next, and he himself bore our sins in his body. In his body. Now it's not just enough to carry it. He becomes it. It's not just, just to take up the weight of it. He actually becomes sin in his body. Now I want you to try to think about that for just a second, how, how huge that is, really how deep that is. Think about this picture for just a second. Here is Jesus, and I want you to picture him. Here's our Lord Jesus, who doesn't sin. 
Do you know we had the opportunity not to sin? We entered into sin. We rebelled. We went into sin knowingly rejecting our Father. He doesn't sin. The Bible says in every way he was tempted as we are, but he doesn't sin. Jesus doesn't sin. He is holy. Jesus is absolutely holy. Jesus is pure. He's described as the perfect lamb of God without a blemish, without a single mark, without a single blemish. He is pure in every thought. He's never had a thought that wasn't absolutely pure. He's absolutely pure in every word. Every word out of his mouth is pure. His intentions are pure. Can you imagine that? He's never had an intention that wasn't pure. His motivation is always pure. If he's motivated, it's pure in motivation. He is good. He is kind. He is good. He is holy. He is pure. And he becomes my sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, and he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He himself bore our sin not on his shoulders but in his body. Verse continues. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, on the cross. Now halfway through the verse here, halfway through verse 24, here now stands the cross. Halfway through our message today, here we are standing in the presence of the cross. I want you to see the magnitude of the cross today. Here stands the cross. And where in the Old Testament the lamb carried the sins and he bore it to the altar, In the New Testament, Jesus, the Lamb of God, he bears our sins not to the altar, but now to the cross. Where in the Old Testament, the covering for sin was transacted at the altar. Now in the New Testament, the cleansing from sin is now transacted at the cross. Where in the Old Testament, the sacrificial lamb's blood ran out there on the the altar and it would run over the edges of that altar. Now in the New Testament, Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, his own blood runs down the cross. In the Old Testament, where the priests continually sacrifice at the altar. In the New Testament, Jesus once and for all finally sacrifices at the cross. And see it today, here stands the cross. In the Old Testament, they revered the altar. In the New Testament, we cling to the cross. In the Old Testament, where they worship at the altar, we in the New Testament, we now worship at the foot of the cross. In the Old Testament, they're they're able to have communion with God by the way of the altar. In the New Testament, because of Jesus, we have fellowship with God through now the cross. And here stands the cross, and its lamb and its sacrifice is Jesus. And the verse says, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Listen to the words now. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. See from his head, his hands, his feet, Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? 
Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, divine de- demands my soul, my life, my all. And here stands the cross. And more important than that stands the lamb of that cross, Jesus Christ. Verse continues on and says this. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we, so that we. Now be sure and see this today. The cross is about us. Sometimes we want to think, well, the cross is about Jesus. The cross is about somebody else. Understand today, the cross is about us. You see, on the cross of Calvary, Jesus paid the price for our sins, but we need to understand it was a price that we could not pay because of our sin. It's a price we cannot pay. Not that we wouldn't pay it, but that we could not pay it. We cannot pay it. Do you understand it today? If our salvation depends upon us, if us paying the debt depends upon us or our works, we're gonna end up in hell. It is a price we cannot pay. It is a debt that we can't ever get close to. It is not payable by us. We can't pay it. Do you understand that? We can't pay it. You know what I'd like to? I'd like to muster up enough good deeds and good thoughts, oh, that I could come and save Jesus the expense, but it's a debt I cannot pay. You can't pay it. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, the cross was about us. The cross was about you. The cross was about me. Now, we can't cover it all today, but for us to see that the cross is all about us, I was in my office yesterday and I was writing down some things about this death. What kind of death was this on the cross? And I sit there and I see the cross and how amazing it is that it was my debt that he paid. And, and I started to write down some things about this death. It is a substituting death. It is a substituting death. It means he died in my place. He died in your place. He substituted for our place. It is a substituting death. It is a justifying death. It is a justifying death. That death justifies us and declares us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is a reconciling death. It makes us reconciled. It makes us right with God. It is a reconciling death. It is a propitiating death. It is a propitiating death. Now what that means is God takes his anger towards us and our anger towards our sin and he puts it on Jesus and it's satisfied through Jesus. It is a propitiating death. It is a redeeming death. That is is the price that's paid. We are bought back, we're redeemed and purchased back. It is a redeeming death. Yes, the cross is about us. It is caused by us, and at the same time, it is done for us. So that we, the cross is about us. See, as we continue the verse here, let let me read on, it says this. So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Now I want you to see here, there are two results in this verse, two impacts that we have as believers because of the cross. Notice it says first that we might die 
to sin, that we might die to sin. Now, the Greek word for die here is not the, the normal word that we would say for die, for a person who physically dies, but it has the understanding to be away from, to be missing from. And that's, that's the understanding of the word die here in the Greek. And so the first understanding, the first thing, we are away from the penalty of sin. We are missing from the penalty of sin. You see, the cross is for us that we are away, we die to the penalty for sin. You see, in our sin, we've earned a death. In our sin, we're gonna pay that death, but because of Jesus and his work on the cross, we're able to have life. Understand today, the good news of the gospel is if you put your faith in Jesus, you die to the penalty of sin. Do you understand that? You die to the penalty of sin. I don't have to suffer it. I don't have it looming over my head. It's not waiting on me. You see, it was finished in my Savior, Jesus Christ. The song says, and I, it is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. We die to the penalty of sin. Now, I don't care what you're sitting here doing today. I don't care if you're about to go to sleep. That ought to excite you. Listen to me. Because of Jesus Christ, you have died to the penalty of sin. It doesn't wait on you anymore. That's good news. That's the great news of the gospel. We have died to the penalty of sin because Jesus paid it for us. Some of y'all are gonna wake up about two o'clock and be excited about that. More than that, we've died to the penalty of sin. You know what? We've also died to the power of sin. See, it doesn't just end there. We've died to the power of sin. It says this, and live to righteousness. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Jesus frees us from the power of sin. His death on the cross frees us from the power of sin. Now you can go, again, there's about two sermons right there, but you can go read Romans chapter six. As Christians, we are now dead to the power of sin. The biblical truth is we've died to the penalty of sin in Christ. And we've died to the power of sin. Has no bond on us, has no bind on us anymore. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. We've died to the bond of sin. The power of sin is broken in our life. And then the verse comes now and it ties it all together in a quotation from the book of Isaiah. The last of the verse says this. For by his wounds you were healed. For by his wounds you were healed. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Brings it all back to perspective. Now the verb tense, I think it's interesting to see this, the verb tense for were means it is over. It means that it is done. It is a completed act. And so understand what this phrase is saying. This quotation from the book of Isaiah is saying, by Jesus Christ, by his stripes, talking about the whipping, the lashing that was across his back, by his wounds, by his scourging, by his pain, by the thorns that were pressed into his head, by the beating that he endured in my place, by the nails that were nailed to his hands and through his feet, by his wounds, you were healed. It's personal, you, it is finished, were. You were healed. It's talking about salvation here. Sometimes people misapply this to other things, but in context, for sure, Isaiah and here both, it's talking about salvation. It's talking about sin. 
You see, we need to understand today as we look at the cross, as we stand there in the, in the shadow of the cross, we need to understand the problem of sin was remedied at the cross. The penalty for sin, it was paid at the cross. The stain of sin, we're marred with the stain of sin. It is washed away at the cross of Calvary. The guilt of sin, the condemnation of sin, it is pardoned for us at the cross. It wasn't pardoned to Jesus, he paid it. You see, there at the cross, the wrath towards sin was poured out and it wasn't poured out on us, it was poured out on Christ. It is satisfied at the cross. The bonds of sin, they're forever broken at the cross. And praise God today, it is for you, it is for me, it is finished, it is over. We are healed by way of the cross. And so let us remember the cross. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I can't tell you, dear Lord, how inept I am at preaching this message. How unworthy I am as a man of sinful lips to come and to preach about the cross by which I was saved. I come and I just praise you for the cross. Forgiven, redeemed, saved by the way of the cross. I praise you for it. I'm, I'm thankful for your grace and your love that Jesus submitted to it. I'm thankful for the mercy shown to me through the cross. I, I come and I praise you for it. I pray that my perception will be forever changed. My perspective on every piece of my life, every of my life will be judged according to the standard of the cross of Calvary. And that I would well up inside of me true worship and love for my Savior Jesus. So I stand and I worship looking from the cross's perspective. I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. And I worship you, Jesus. We come now as we come to this time in our service. God, I pray that you would work, that you would continue to work. I pray for some in this room that do not know you. I pray that as they hear about the cross of their salvation, they'd put their faith in Jesus. Pray for us here as believers that we would be again, we'd be renewed, we'd be changed. We'd leave here with a different perspective because of the cross by which we were saved. I ask that you'd move at this time and the response would glorify you. We tell you, Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.